Today's episode of The Rewatchables is brought to you by State Farm. Around here, we love talking about movies that we watch, rewatch, and watch again because they're just that good. The thoughtful details, the little things other movies don't have that keep us coming back. Here's the deal. When it comes to insurance, we can't get enough of State Farm. They have all the details we appreciate. They make insurance easy. Monitor your coverage, pay your bill, even file a claim through their app, which was awarded Best Insurance Mobile App 2019. And thanks to their network of 19,000 agents, you'll have someone local to walk you through options and help you choose a policy that meets your individual needs versus cookie-cutter coverage. Best of all, they give it to you straight. No gimmicks, no games, just guidance you can count on. It's a no-brainer. Go out and get the insurance you deserve. Get State Farm like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Get a quote. Find an agent. StateFarm.com. We're also brought to you by Boom Bust, our new podcast at The Ringer that debuts on May 20th. Season one is about the rise and fall of HQ, the trivia app that you might remember was the hottest thing in the world for about five minutes. But this podcast dives into all the good and the bad and ultimately why it flamed out. I highly recommend it. You can listen to it on Spotify and Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, you know we're sitting on 4 million pounds of fuel, one nuclear weapon, and a thing that has 270,000 moving parts built by the lowest bidder. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Armageddon next. The entire world is watching the game. Someone should be watching the sky. It's a meteor shower. How big were those? The size of basketballs. This new one you're tracking. How big? It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. July 1st. Are you suggesting that we nuke this thing from the inside? We bring in the world's best deep core driller. Nothing can prepare you. Promise me that you are going to come back. I promise, Grace. For the event that will rock the world. Beam me up, Scotty. This is who you found to save the planet. Bruce Willis. Billy Bob Thornton. Luke Tyler. Ben Affleck. Will Patton. And Steve Buscemi. We don't get this done, nobody else will. All right, the dream team is back after we successfully conquered Gladiator, Shea Serrano, Jason Concepcion, and Chris Ryan. um, Tackling Armageddon, the 1998 classic, won 11 Academy Awards. Um, (laughs) Bruce Willis, best supporting actor. (laughs) Ben Affleck, best actor. Liv Tyler, she won. It's... I didn't realize, Chris, did you know that it swept the Academy Awards? I had no idea. <laughs> what a year. What a year. Yeah. I remember I remember just feeling so good for Billy yes. Bob Thornton that year. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I forgot he won too. They created a word. Uh, this movie's ridiculous. It was ridiculous in 1998. Shay, as you watch it in 2020, less ridiculous, more ridiculous, or the same ridiculous? Listen, I never thought this movie was ridiculous. To me, it is still, uh, this is quality documentary filmmaking. This is better <laughs> This is better than The Last Dance. This is better than that Ken Burns war one. This is the one for me. Jason? Um, as some of you may know, I worked in a movie theater in 97, 98, so I've seen this movie hundreds of times. <laughs> uh, it is an unbelievable masterpiece and just like so... Of its time, so of the late '90s that that it it just takes me back. Chris, 
You know how in 48 hours, when Reggie turns to Jack and says, you said bullshit experience is all it takes. Well, get ready to experience some of my bullshit. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I feel about Armageddon. I have never seen a movie that blows through plot holes, yeah. unanswerable questions, <laughs> Fuck it. picking nits. I love it. Fucking ridiculous American flags. Why is it the 1950s it. all of a sudden? And it's just like, <laughs> I know what I am doing. It is Michael Bay throwing that camera through a space station, hurtling it through outer space, saving the world. And it is the most confident movie I have ever seen. That's right. That's good. Michael Bay puts himself on the map with Bad Boys. Bad Boys is a movie that we all loved Will Smith. We were with him with his rapping, with Fresh Prince, even a little Six Degrees of Separation cameo. And then it's like, oh, cool. He's making an action movie with Martin Lawrence. Who's their director? Don't know who that is. And he dials it up to about, I don't know, somewhere between 22 and 28 on a scale of one to 10 in that movie. There's a lot of slow motion. There's there's stuff that I just hadn't seen in an action movie where everything feels like the most important moment ever. Then it goes to uh, The Rock, a movie that will definitely be on the rewatchable. Same thing. Dials it up. And you're like, all right, I get it. I get it with this Michael Bay guy. I see, I see what he's doing now. He just dials it up. Then Armageddon comes in and he's like, watch this. And Shay... <laughs> Shay, it's one of the all-time director action movie heat checks, right? I don't even know what would be second on the list, but I know this is first. Yeah, this is this is the biggest movie director. Not like biggest prestige-wise, but I'm talking about just makes the biggest kind of movies. The biggest movie director making the biggest movie with the biggest stakes possible. And he just fucking went for it. He had no doubt in his bones at all when he was making this. And it is an incredible amount of fun to rewatch. Jason, what stood out after the 120th time of watching this in a movie theater? Uh, uh, oh, what didn't stand out? First of all, about Michael <laughs> Bay, I have I have a take. I have a take about Michael Bay, and I think Michael Bay is what happens when a director is too handsome in real life. <laughs> Michael Bay is a tall, good-looking L.A. guy, right, who processes the world through this lens of, I'm a really handsome guy. And this is what happens when movies get made by a really handsome guy. One. Number two, the th one the thing that jumped out at me right away, because it's like in the first five minutes of the movie, is the absolutely egregious, unnecessary, completely petty, and after all these years, hilarious shot at Godzilla, which opened the same summer as Armageddon. <laughs> what? Why are we swerving across four lanes of traffic to do a drive-by on Godzilla? Godzilla was LeBradford Smith. Yeah. In your, can we talk about the heat check of all heat checks in your second like major film? To just be like, fuck it. I'm going to take a shot at Godzilla. What? It's incredible. <laughs> Chris, Michael Bay, is this is, I, we're going to do Apex Mountain later, but the, is this still his best performance in a movie? I think that The Rock is probably a tighter movie. I, mm. I, I can't tell which one I've probably seen more, 
this is the most movie ass movie he has ever made. I mean, it's you cannot overstate mm-hmm. the, the influence of Titanic on this movie, whether yep. Michael Bay liked it or not. Like, I think that there's a part of Michael Bay that would have been content just shooting in like the NASA deep water tank forever, you know, and, and just being like, I don't need Liv Tyler in this movie. Affleck doesn't have to be in this movie. Like, I think he would have been fine making a movie that was about Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton. But, you know, this was his basically his foray into let's make the biggest movie we possibly can. It is pop filmmaking all the way dialed up to 11. And you can see that like, you know, and I can't wait to talk about like the screenwriting talent that was involved in this and everybody who just who had a hand in it. But it weirdly, beyond Bruckheimer, beyond Bruce Willis, beyond all the screenwriters, it's it still is like pure Michael Bay. It is uncut. Yes. yes. Shay, would you say Michael Bay, Tony Scott after three drinks and four lines of cocaine, <laughs> or t- Tony Tony Scott after eleven drinks? Like, what would be the formula? Yeah, you take you take Tony Scott. You take a the pile that Scarface had at the end of Scarface when he was just <laughs> off the rails. Those two things together is how you end up with Michael Bay's career, which I fucking love. I love this. It's great. I wonder if Tony Scott admired it or was threatened by it or (laughs) just was dismissive of it. Like, like MJ and Clyde Drexler. Like, I wonder Jason, what do you, what do you think he felt about him in the moment as they're like technically competing? It's, you know, it's interesting. I, I think he's more, I I wonder what Fincher thinks of of him because they both came up at the same time doing music videos um, they're of the same generation. And to me, Michael Bay is like all the technical brilliance um, of David Fincher crossed with like the F- Fox Nation. Like Armageddon <laughs> is the most is the most watchable and entertaining right wing movie of all time. <laughs> like it literally it it starts with Harry making fun of Greenpeace for wanting to protect the environment. <laughs> the heroes are the oil companies. Middle middle America. Who defeat a, an, an asteroid with nuclear weapons. And what they want more than anything as a reward for this is to never pay taxes. <laughs> it's an incredible film. It's shamelessness is its power, though. Yes, like, I love it. Because as you approach that last 35 minutes or so, and that's when the movie really just sort of loses all bearing where it's like, <laughs> why do all these kids have crew cuts and they're standing in front of a poster of John F. Kennedy right. like in the in the 90s and yeah. are they're go karting, you know, and getting into tornado storm shelters. And you're like, it doesn't matter. This is pure yeah. propaganda. This is like. This is and, and it works like I my one of my favorite things and I'm sure we'll talk about the absolutely amazing uh DVD commentary that's on the DVD version oh, of yeah. Armageddon is Affleck being like, I couldn't give a shit about the things that this movie is like purporting to to care about. And I get choked up watching myself walk yeah. in front of this American flag <laughs> to board the space yeah. shuttle. <laughs> yeah, if they did a parody of this movie, I think it would just be the same movie. Like if it was like the hot shots, <laughs> the Top Gun, I don't really, I wouldn't maybe change like two scenes and that's it. Yeah, but so, like straight up, like, of the four people on this podcast, I have seen this movie 25 times at least. Mm-hmm. Every single time William Fickner goes up to 
Liv Tyler yes. and says, I want to shake the hand of the bravest man I ever met. I fucking tear up. This is why this movie is so good, though. Like, because every actor in the movie takes it completely seriously yes. with it, with the utmost sincerity and yes. earnestness. Like I was, I was watching this movie and Laramie came and sat down right as it was finishing. She hears the, the Aerosmith song come on and she was like, how was it? And I, t- I told, I told her like, totally not joking. Like I cried three times, three times I had tears come out it, when, when Ben Affleck is doing his thing at the end, when uh, Harry and, and Liv, or when Bruce and Liv are doing their thing at the end, and then when he shakes his, her hand at the end, like in a 10-minute stretch. And I just, they just take it so seriously. It's the only way that something like this works as well as it does. Yeah, the, part that, the parts that get me are when Colonel Willie, William Fickner, is trying to blow up the nuke, and he makes Harry promise him yeah, and yeah, yeah. promise <laughs> his family and his wife and kids that he will get it done. That and then when AJ finally breaks through like the the iron ferrite plate or whatever it is when they're drilling down into it and Harry's like, you got it, AJ? You, you can do it. He's like, yeah, I got, I, I believe it. This, I, this, I feel it. We're going to break through. I have never fist pumped so hard for like someone going <laughs> 802 meters, Harry, than I have in that scene. So when I was growing up, there were all these disaster movies. It was the towering inferno airport and it just became earthquake. They, there was a super bowl terrorist movie and it was like four or five years of this. And then airplane, the comedy came out and made fun of all of them. And then that genre kind of died. Then it came back and it came back with these movies in a row, independence day, starship troopers, Dante's peak volcano, Titanic, and then in 1998, Deep Impact and Armageddon racing to the finish line with Deep Impact coming out earlier and then doing pretty well. Chris, what do you remember of the 1990s disaster genre era? You know, I was trying to think about this because, you know, I don't really remember. When did Y2K fear really start to kick in? Because I, I, I didn't really go through 99. the 90s. Yeah, worrying about it. I mean, I think you started to get a little bit more worried about environmentalism and like climate change and some of the stuff involved there. But this was really, I kind of sometimes feel like it's times of relative stability when our darkest yeah. imaginations take hold. And and I remember that this time in at least in my life or in like, you know, the wider culture to be relatively stable, like to be relatively like things seem like they're going in the right direction more or less. And that's when people are like, we have the the sort of room to play with the idea of what if everything went bad? You know, what if the worst possible thing happened? But ultimately, this movie is is very uh, optimistic, you know, because it's about people pulling together. I mean, the, the scenes of civil unrest that they show are like briefly on CNN. But for the most part, it's like people in prayer, people waiting, you know, hoping and praying that that these guys on on this rock can can get to get to 800 feet. What do you think, Bill? It it just seemed like there was a moment there. And I don't know. I I think it had less to do with what was going on in America in the 1990s and more to do with the fact that the technology got better. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about some of the stuff they're doing in this movie in 1998. I just don't think they were capable of doing even in 1992, 93. The last hour plus of the movie is in outer space on a fucking asteroid with, you know, astronauts falling, getting 
their planes exploding and their bodies hurtling and asteroids. And I don't think this, if you made this movie in like 1988 or 1993, it's a disaster. But watching it now, I I was actually kind of surprised by how well the special effects Mm. held up. Shay, are you a special effects guy with stuff like this? Or are you just like the action part? No, I do enjoy the the special effects. I especially enjoy when something like this happens where you have the right director with the right script and the right technology all sort of meet up at the same time. And it doesn't even have to be this like big, gigantic thing. The Perfect Storm is another movie that I remember watching and feeling the exact same way about it. I was like, oh, they nailed all yeah, of, the wave. of this. The, the yeah. big wave at the end when he's going up. You're like, I don't, I don't know. This was like the first year they could have done this. And you get it all at the same time. And that's when you get those movies that sort of live the longest or, or feel the most impactful or special. Well, Terminator 2, which mm-hmm. was 90, 91, I think, that was the first time I really remember thinking, oh, shit, we're yeah, entering yeah. this new domain of where stuff's going. Jason, I'm going to read you a couple of Michael Bay quotes from 2001. Because um, he took some shit. People were mad at this movie. They were mad. <laughs> it, it became the number one movie of 1998. It made over a half a billion dollars. And people were just pissed off. And this movie took a lot of shit in a lot of ways. There's Ben Affleck backlash. There's Bruce Willis backlash. There's there's too much um, too much hidden advertising in this movie. All this shit. It's just you backlash, backlash, backlash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> backlash, backlash. <laughs> so Michael Bay in 2001 says the following two things. I would like, I would like your take. Number sure. one, quote, Armageddon is like a total fantasy for a 15-year-old. It's funny. When the critics tried to review Armageddon, I mean, relax. It's a popcorn movie. It's not supposed to be taken seriously. That's one. Here's the second one. Armageddon, when I look at it now, it's like a comedy. It's like a fantasy comedy. All right? Do you believe Michael Bay felt that way in 1998? Absolutely not. I (laughs) I believe to my core that Michael Bay wanted everybody to come out and go, this is visionary. This is Star Wars. This is 2001 A Space Odyssey. I can't believe I saw the Chrysler building crash into the street and bodies fall out of the Chrysler building and hit taxi cabs. I am blown away. This is important. I believe that he wanted that and he did not get it. And I think that now he's fine (laughs) with it, but I believe in that time he was like, I want people to acknowledge that this is a masterpiece. What's, What's wild is he didn't get it but he only didn't get it from a small group of people because yeah. the rest, the rest of us the walked rest of out us, of there yeah. saying that exact thing. Like I've never seen anything like this. Holy shit. Who is this person? Give me more. Chris, what do you think? Yeah. You know, he is probably the most talented filmmaker that I've ever seen with this much contempt for like cinema, <laughs> because this is a thing that I think come. I mean, like this is a guy who might have pound for pound more cinematic talent than anybody of his generation. And he spent a decade making Transformers movies, you know, like, and, and, and those movies are actually like unwatchable in a lot of ways. Like those Transformers movies are where he kind of like leaves behind the dock and you just can't even see the shore anymore. But he has repeatedly been like, yeah, you know what? I make movies for people who go see three movies a year. I make movies for people who are not going to have to be brought down to be, to think too hard. They want to go to a, have a popcorn and a Coke 
and they want to have a great night out for 30 bucks with their date. Well, he also said, he also said, I make movies for guys who work in a movie theater who might see this 140 times. <laughs> that was the other part of that quote. You left here's that where, out. Here's where I think me and you are going to argue the most on this, Chris. When you, when you say he has like a, a, a contempt for cinema, <laughs> I wholeheartedly disagree. I think this is like a new thing. This to me, like I, we always do like some basketball references whenever it's the four of us. Like him doing this movie here is like James Harden showing up and doing new tricks. And people are like, oh, that's not what basketball looks like. This is, this is blasphemous. And you're like, no, this is a new thing. He's smarter than everybody else at this one trick. He's doing what he needs to do. That's how I feel whenever I watch these Michael Bay movies. I don't think he has a contempt for cinema. I think he invented a new branch and that branch showed up and it was like in Billy Madison, or excuse me, Happy Gilmore, when the new golf fans came and the old golf fans were like, no, this is not what the fans should look like. This is not what a movie should look like. I think that's where we, I think he made a new thing, was like, fuck it, I'm invited to the party now and you can't do anything about it. Absolutely. I mean, can you, and, and I think he's speaking to, I agree with you. Cause like, I think that if you look at this and you look at like Howard's End, that's that's not the same it's not the same thing i mean they're made with cameras and they get edited and music gets added and there are performances but michael bay is i remember because my dad when he would watch these movies like when when he used to be a he was a film critic he would call it and i don't know if this was like a popularized term or for something he came up with because it definitely is profane so it sounds like something he came up with he would call it (laughs) frame fucking which is essentially (laughs) every shot michael bay has someone is either running or the camera is moving like there is no stillness in a michael bay movie there is no (laughs) moment where you're like i'm calm and even moments where ben affleck and Liv tyler are having quiet intimate moments there's a goddamn desert behind them and the camera is moving and aerosmith is playing and it's like everything is a monster truck rally and that's he he is a showman with very few matches in the in the I would say honestly like it's like Spielberg and him and then you have to go to those guys who were making like Erwin Allen making Towering Inferno and Poseidon Adventure and then going all the way back to the big big Hollywood spectacles of like the 30s and 40s I mean he really is a master showman I just think that he's not making movies for as I'm sure we'll find out Roger Ebert well I think Jason hit it on the head I think he thought this was his 2001 A Space Odyssey. And you read some of the quotes that he had after the fact where he's really frustrated about the last third of the movie, how they didn't have enough time. We only did this in 16 weeks. His special effects guy had a nervous breakdown, so he had to take that part over. <laughs> and reading between the lines of the quotes, it almost seems like he he's like, man, if I had a do-over, this would have been remembered as one of the greatest movies ever made. And I just kind of ran out of time and and money. I He'll never admit that, but deep down, I think that's how he feels. A um, hmm. couple other things. The contempt for this movie in some circles is even Wikipedia, where near the top of the Wikipedia page for this movie, it says, quote, <laughs> Though the film was released to mostly negative reviews, it was an international box office success, becoming the highest grossing movie in 1998 worldwide. Although astronomers noted that the similar disaster film, Deep Impact, was more scientifically accurate. Like, to, <laughs> to the bitter end, this movie's just never going to get credit. It made $550 million. Um, the cast, we should talk about really quickly. It's a really nice mix of, you have Bruce Willis, you know, this was the 90s. Bruce Willis is the probably other than Hanks and 
I actually think he's probably bigger than Denzel just for how much money his movies made. He's coming off all the Die Hard movies. He is about to hit do this movie, then Six Cents and Unbreakable. This 11-year run that he has, he's one of the five biggest stars in the world. So they have him. They have Affleck coming off Goodwill Hunting. They have Billy Bob Thornton uh, about two years removed from Sling Blade and where he's kind of like the it indie guy for, for that stretch. Then Will Patton, who's just in a million movies at this point. Owen Wilson on the way up. And Steve Buscemi, yeah. who everybody loves, not to mention a bunch of those guys like William Finkner. But uh, Billy Bob is on the record. He's, he admits openly to doing this film for the money and oh, yeah. jokes about it. No shit. Uh, jokes about being in it, but <laughs> said, quote, <laughs> quote, it's not that bad, was Steve Buscemi's, it was uh, Billy Bob Thornton's quote. Um, Buscemi also did it for the money, but said he saw it as an ensemble character film. And Bruce Willis did it for the money. Uh, you're not going to believe this. Did not care for Michael Bay's directing style. Refuses to work with him again. That's <laughs> this is uh, probably. I mean, we can get. We'll probably get into this in the categories, but it is ab fucking absurd. The acting talent in this movie. Oh yeah, yes, it yeah, is yeah. absolutely yes. obscene how they've got like essentially like the Sam Shepard repertory theater theater like yes. as like guys working at NASA or guys on on the Independence and the Freedom. We're like Will Patton, Owen Wilson, William Fickner, and uh, Buscemi and Billy Bob. Like those guys are like huge, like hugely talented actors who are basically coming in and pinch hitting these lines here and there. And I, I, I honestly do think like without Billy Bob, this movie completely floats away from orbit. Like oh, you yeah. just, I think Billy Bob Thornton actually is like the absolute like fundamental gravity of this movie. He, he's actually great in it. He's, he's really awesome. like fantastic. He's incredible in it. He's they're incredible. All in good. It. They're all great in this movie. I don't understand why they would say they didn't like this movie. I love this movie. My Michael Bay is has always kind of been the the one for them king. You know, like people always from Buscemi to Torturo and the Transformers movies. A Michael Bay picture is where you get that. Like, I need a, a vacation home money. You know, I need to I, re, I need to refinance my alimony money. Like, right. I'm glad you went off and did uh, Sling Blade, Billy Bob. But now it's time to pay like your college loans off. Come, <laughs> yeah. do, come do Armageddon. God bless it. Uh, my wife came in about an hour into the movie and sat down for 10 minutes and was going to leave. And it was just a steady stream of her. Her looking at me and going, he's in this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he's in this? And just her being confused that she ended up staying for most of the movie. There, There's a weird Bruce Willis story that we have to mention. He was making a comedy called Broadway Brawler. And I guess it was pretty deep in and it just was not going well and it couldn't be salvaged. And Disney's head of movies at the time, Joe Roth, worked out a deal where... Willis would star in Armageddon and two future films for the studio. And in exchange, Disney would absorb the Broadway brawlers costs. Just like we'll, we'll eat, we'll buy the movie and just eat it God against, bless. against the Bruce Willis salary. So they make this deal. And the other two films he makes are the sixth sense and unbreakable. This is like the bird McHale, the, bird, the McHale Parish trade for Joe Barry Carroll. Unbelievable trade by Joe Roth. Yeah, we'll take the Broadway brawler contract, but you get we get two more movies. Great job by him. Uh, 
So it was Disney's most expensive movie ever. It was 1998's biggest movie ever. Sadly, not surprisingly, on the list of Roger Ebert's most hated films. <laughs> he Terrible. Wrote, he named Terrible. it his worst movie of 1998. I love it. He wrote that it was the first ever 150 minute trailer, which is really good. <laughs> okay, that's that's pretty, a that's, good that's a good that's that's app. That's good. That's yeah, good. yeah, that's good. <laughs> and he wrote, "quote The movie is an assault on the eyes, the ears, the brain, common sense, and the human desire to be entertained." <laughs> Shay, you can't fight him; he's dead. But no, it's, a- it seems like he's just provoking you over and over again on the rewatchables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's tough. He got me with the trailer line, though. That's pretty good. Yeah, the critics were really mad at this movie, which kind of made people like us just want to see it more. Yeah, that's what critics do. That's what critics yeah. do. Like, why wasn't why wasn't this in black and white? This movie's bulletproof, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's well, uh we have a lot of categories to hit. Most rewatchable scene. Hmm. The opening asteroid, wow. I guess attack. I don't know, would you call it an attack or yeah, asteroid it was spray? Attack in the planet. Takes out New York City. There's some good Eddie Griffin stuff. This is a tough movie stretch for New York. There's oh, multiple yeah. movies that just like rip New York to shit now that we've had special effects. But this is pretty good action scene for the most part. Can I just say also about this scene, this moment is um, how disorienting it is. Because I feel like this was much more of a late 90s action movie thing where they would bring somebody in to do like a very, very small part, but give them a really big setup. And if you brought like a Martian in and show them the first 10 minutes of this movie, they would be like, is this a movie about Eddie Griffin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you yeah. start yeah. and you're like, I was like Eddie Griffin's in this movie. I forgot. And then it was like, we're really getting a lot of Eddie Griffin buildup here. <laughs> like, like he's going to ride the whole way across the bridge and keep talking. And then it's like, you're like, wait, is Eddie Griffin in this movie? And then it's like, no, he's not. He is out of this movie. Him and Mark Curry are gone. And it's just like, okay, I guess, I guess we'll just keep moving on. But this happened in action movies where they would be like, a comedian comes on and does seven minutes. Yeah. And then is out of, you know, who started that was scream. Cause when scream did the Drew Barrymore move and made it seem like she was one of the stars in the movie and then just dumped her. I think, I think that started with executive decision when they made it seem like, uh, um, oh, Kurt well, Russell was yeah. yeah. Was Steven what year Seagal. was that? That was before Scream. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next rewatchable scene. That scene's that scene's entertaining. Bruce Willis, aka Harry Stamper. He when we meet Affleck for the first time and Liv Tyler's in Affleck's bed. Hey! What's wrong with you? Make your peace with God, AJ. This guy's got a gun, man. He's shooting at me. Harry, this is not. Listen to me. Oh, is this a uh, serious thing? Yeah, pretty serious. That whole scene is just bonkers. He's oh my shooting God. a gun at him <laughs> on an oil rig. Like just <laughs> things, bullets ricocheting, things going. Uh, if if you were worried that this movie wasn't insane, worry no more after this scene because this movie's insane. Especially when when he does the first gunshot. It's a shotgun through the window. But the whole yeah. wall of windows exposed like a fucking bomb went off. You're right. Like, all right, all right, here we go. The craziest thing in that scene to me isn't the shotgun. It's the fact that Grace calls her father Harry. Yeah. Hi, Harry. I have asked you repeatedly to call me dad. Sorry, Harry. Get up and get your clothes on. You just stay right there. I'll be right back. 
Yeah, that I don't is like that. Mi- that is mind blowing <laughs> shit to me. <laughs> Terrible movie gimmick. Chris, was that, in your opinion, an HR violation by Harry or no? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Also, it's like, <laughs> is is Grace nude under the like? He's getting very like in the mix in in a, an intimate moment for his daughter. Like, I would just be like, I'm gonna go wait outside and then kick AJ's ass. I'm not gonna be like moving the covers around with my with my shovel here with your golf club. Yeah. That's why golf he's club, Harry yeah. Stamper and you're Chris Ryan. There's a That's difference right. here. That's right. Also has the line. It's all funny till someone gets shot in the leg, mm-hmm. which a good high school yearbook quote for the kids. This is also, home. this leads to one of the first creepy things about Rockhound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the first. first one of the first of about first. two dozen. One yeah. of the first. Uh, next one. Harry, by the way, if I missed any, feel free to come in at the end if you feel strongly about it. But Harry telling Billy Bob that the gang's going to do it, which includes demands like... Uh, uh, Oscar here has got some outstanding parking tickets and wants them wiped off his record. 56 tickets in seven states. I'll, I'll tell him, Oscar. I got it. Okay. Uh, Noonan's got two women friends that he'd like to see made American citizens, no questions asked. Max would like you to bring back eight-track tapes. Not sure if that's going to work, but uh, let's see what else. Chick wants a full week's emperor package at Caesar's Palace. They want to find out who actually killed Kennedy. And Bear would like to stay in the Lincoln bedroom of the White House for the summer. And then, yeah, one more thing. None of them want to pay taxes again. This seems great. It's really, Pretty it's actually really well written. Yeah. Yeah, we can probably just mention here that the the credited and uncredited screenwriter lineup for this movie is as follows. Robert Roy Poole, Jonathan Hensley, Tony Gilroy, who wrote like the Bourne movies and, and, Mike, and Michael Clayton, uh, Shane Salerno, uh, J.J. Abrams, and then un, uh, other writers include uh, Paul Atanasio, Ann Biederman, Scott Rosenberg, and Robert Town. Robert Town. Every, just Oof. an automatic $100,000 for Robert Town with every movie in the 90s. They're like, hey, man, can you look at this one scene? We'll wire you the money into your uh, offshore account. Scott Rosenberg, who wrote Beautiful Girls, apparently was brought in near the tail end to beef up the Liv Tyler Ben Affleck scenes because Titanic was a huge hit and the studio was really pushing Michael Bay. Hey man, can we get a little more of that relationship? The, the want to get those 15 year olds in the movie theater and this guy named Jason Concepcion who's working uh, at a movie theater. Want him too. <laughs> yeah. um, can you just beef these up? So that's how you end up with, uh, Really, some of the worst scenes in the movie. Let's be honest. But what? Let's be Come honest. On. I beg your pardon. It's but the you, emotional you core of this film. You heard me. Uh, <laughs> next rewatchable scene: the crew about to take off as the president gives his speech. Oh yeah, that's great. That's great. Dreams of an entire planet are focused tonight on those fourteen brave souls. Traveling into the heavens. That man's not a salesman. That's your daddy. This is where Michael Bay is like, "Hey, what's the slowest slow motion that we can have? <laughs> how many how many frames per second can we slow down as I see all the guys walking in a straight line toward the camera? How many takes, Chris? It, like, I loved it. Probably 120. I wouldn't be surprised if they were walking backwards. I, it, <laughs> that's how slow it was. It was this. It was Michael Bay giving double middle fingers to the right stuff. 
and that famous oh, yeah. scene where the where the Apollo astronauts are walking down the tunnel towards the camera. He was just like, "Yeah, that sucks." Watch there's a this. there's a there's a line in the movie where they when they show him walking and he says that exact thing. Will Fichter's character is like talk about all the wrong thing, uh, all the wrong stuff. Talk about all the wrong stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a, I really like the montage, especially the one woman who's sitting in like the 1950s Chevy truck with the like American flag in the background, and she's listening to it on the radio. Like I don't know why you don't have a TV in your house, but this is unbelievable filmmaking right now. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know how things worked in the late. 90s from a like talk radio 24 7 news cycle standpoint even though i was alive during that but i don't really remember the mechanics it's weird that everybody around the world knew about these guys and the mission and was just kind of on board involved following in it not asking more questions well i guess the whole thing is like they try to keep it a secret for as long as possible mm-hmm. okay next rewatchable scene when uh affleck and michael clark duncan Almost die. Shay, your quick Michael Clark Duncan thoughts in this movie? A plus. I wish he would have been in more movies. I love I love Michael Clark Duncan, especially. Jason, could this have been Shaq? Was Shaq the next call if he said <laughs> no? No, absolutely. no, no, okay. no, no, no. You sure? No, 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 no. Yes, no. Deep down, you wouldn't have, you would have enjoyed it? it if there's a screen test, you wouldn't have clicked on it on YouTube? <laughs> I would have absolutely watched it. But Shaq is too much of a scene chewer. Michael Clark Duncan understands how to actually act in a scene. He's an, he's an actor. <laughs> he's he's an like actor. a legitimate yeah. actor. You put him in there and like, that's why, that's why his like one funny line where he's like crying in the room and he asks to get yes. a hug because you don't expect somebody of this talent to be making jokes like this in the movie. You can't do that with, with Shaq. Neon, Neon Bordeaux from Blue Chips was like the perfect Shaq role. He was in that and everyone was like, oh my God, he's really good. And then he did other movies and you're like, oh, never mind, never mind. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... <laughs> There's uh, some action movie Michael Clark Duncan should have been in that he wasn't in. Anyone. Like a buddy cop movie. Anyone. Yeah, where he's like him and Michael J. Fox, where there's like just a <laughs> hilarious height difference. Mike and or, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's so, they, we missed the boat on him. I, I like him as well. Um, next rewatchable scene, <laughs> The Independence gets wiped out as Billy Bob reacts to the wipeout in slow motion. It's like, mm. Billy Bob, could you... Could you crouch and have your head hit the uh, computer terminal thing again? Um, that's an emotional scene. By the way, kind of frightening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's like, ah! ah! <laughs> a couple of those. It's a little like Quentin Jaws. Guys screaming as they're about to get vaporized by an asteroid. And we think Ben Affleck is dead. We don't know yet. Um, that would be the next rewatchable scene. Affleck re-emerging in the, in the monster truck. Yeah. Does the high uh, Harry. Oh, that's great. Really? And and that's where we really get into fact-based, science-based yes, filmmaking. Yes, absolutely. Hardcore science at that point. <laughs> yeah, <it's tough. laughs> I feel bad for I feel bad for Max right there. Everybody was like mourning Max, who's just been blown off the asteroid. And then here comes Ben Affleck, and we're like, fuck They're you, like, Max. Yeah! Let's go, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's the guy Buscemi's just like, bye, Max. See yeah, you yeah. later. <laughs> Uh, the last three rewatchable scenes you could basically group together. Harry says goodbye to his daughter. Mm. Harry saves the day. Mm. And then the astronauts land home. And I always think it's funny when a movie like this has a genuinely emotional moment. But we mentioned it earlier when when uh, Willie goes, Miss Stamper, Colonel Willie yeah. Sharp, United States Air Force man, requesting permission to shake the hand of the <laughs> daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. Colonel Willie Sharp, United States Air Force man. 
requesting permission to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. Tough. It reminds me of, we covered this on the Bloodsport Rewatchables. Bloodsport, you know, we love the Bloodsport, not exactly like Citizen Kane. And then has that scene at the end when, the, when his buddy's in the hospital. He's like, hey, man. And Ray. <laughs> yeah, hit Ray. It's like, anytime, any place, anywhere, Van Damme's like, I love you, my brother. And it's like fucking emotional all of a sudden. This is like that times 100. You can dislike the moments in this movie that are overly sentimental or that like, you know, animal crackers across the belly or whatever. But it's like tanking to get the number one pick. If yeah. you don't do, if you don't take all the L's throughout the movie to be like, Harry and Grace's relationship is important. Grace's relationship with AJ is important. It's all about love. It's all about saving the next generation of people. You don't get that last scene. And that last scene is like the absolute hammer. It's so good. Yeah, I'd like to add two more that that really you could group together. I think when, you know, we mentioned that Billy Bob is just an incredible presence in this movie, like grounding it in real authority. He's like a he's like almost like a character from a Michael Mann film, just like unbelievably competent at what he does and everything he says. I don't care if it's science-based, whatever, I believe it. I, I would say two scenes. The first when they're, when all the shit is happening right at the beginning and he's like, I want to know if the worst is yet to come or if we're past it, I want to know this. And he's got scientists running he's, down he's hallways. He's walking through the room and yelling, and yelling all the stuff out. And just like the chaos is coming to order, coalescing around him. And then second, when he is briefing the president and the president's like, well, how big is this thing? And the one NASA nerd is like, well, I think it's approximately uh, 950. And then he, he just he says, jumps in. it's about the size of Texas, Let's president. Go. What is this thing? It's an asteroid, sir. How big are we talking? Sir, our best estimate is 97.6 billion. It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. Y yes, sir. Damn. It's just like, Oof. <laughs> That's good. More Billy Bob, folks. <laughs> the, what, the, the, the one scene where he's walking through NASA and like pushing all the doors open and screaming yeah. and everything is sort of revolving around him. I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but they go straight from the asteroid and it's like a very similar thing. Here comes this big asteroid going to cause all this trouble, yeah. everything moving around. And then here's Billy Bob on the other side on Earth. And it's like these two are, co are coming toward each other. Fuck the yes, first Billy time Bob. I actually watched it and paid attention because obviously I was working in, a, in the theater. And then they have the reveal where Billy Bob's character, Dan, like all of a sudden like has a leg. He's showing like, oh, yeah, I wanted to be up there, but I have this leg brace. I was like, wait, what? He was yeah. just like stomping through NASA headquarters. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it was how motivated. No he deal. was, baby. <laughs> he was like Pippin in game six, <laughs> yeah. playing hurt, shaking it off. There it is. Uh, my most rewatchable scene is the <laughs> astronauts landing home and mm. uh, bravest man I've ever met. What do you guys have? I have a couple I just wanted to throw in there. Just, I yeah. thought the entire Russian space station sequence was really, really, uh, yeah. really awesome. Um, just all, like getting Stormar in there and then like the, the you know, the whole thing with the lever and Affleck on the camera and they can't hear him. And, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit briefly before with disarming the bomb and, and swear on your daughter's life on my family's that you can hit that mark. And Will Patton be like, why do you have a gun in space? You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> could set it off. Oh, man. What are you doing with a gun in space? What, no, nobody is funnier in this movie than Will Patton. Yeah. Nobody. Just, yeah. nobody. Just to, 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 to play off what these guys are talking about with Thornton, like, just that scene with Billy Bob and Keith David where mm -hmm. the Billy Bob does his turn on the phone with the president's advice, like the president telling him about the advisors being wrong. And then Keith David talks to him 
and hangs up the phone and is like, we go forward with the secondary protocol. And Billy Bob's like, this is one order you shouldn't follow. And you fucking know it. You know, it's just, it's so, so much better than it has any business being. What? Okay, two, two things. Number one, this is a PG-13 movie. In PG-13 movies, you're only allowed to say the word fuck one time. That's it. You can only say it one time. And they saved it for that one moment right there. I, I really <laughs> love that. Number two, I like that. They make a point of saying that the, the, the cosmonaut space station has been up there for decades or whatever. And this one guy has been there alone for 18 months by himself and everything's been fine. And then the Americans get there and like 10 minutes later, we just accidentally blow the whole fucking thing up. It's, it's like, this is, this is Don't dodge <laughs> anything. Is it, Jason, compare and compare and trust uh, the cosmonaut to Desmond and Lost. Oh, just much more, you know, obviously a lot crazier, a lot stir crazier. Desmond kind of still had his faculties, yeah. you know, about him. Lev was absolutely gone, gone, a mess. Like gone. his big, his big contribution to the effort when it all came down at the end was like, let's just take a wrench and let's hit all the smash stuff. shit. <laughs> 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 uh, he's so gone that his accent is also gone. It's, he yeah. can't, it's just much. I don't know what accent that is. Much. It's barely Russian. Uh, well, what's age the best? Oh, you guys never said Jason and Shay, your, your most rewatchable scene. I like when they gather everybody up and they're like bringing the group in and informing everybody. We're going to chase them all down. They, I, I love a good like getting the group together montage. Yeah. I, my, my favorite like single tiny part of that whole scene is when you were talking about earlier when when Bruce Willis is like giving the demands. And then he says the one about, hey, you guys wouldn't be able to tell us who killed Kennedy, would you? And they just stare at him. And then he just turns around and very like sweetly shakes his head. Like, no, like they're not going to tell. Like, it's so so sweet. Such a sweet, sweet moment right there. I'm going to do a tie between the uh, Billy Bob speeches and the president's speech as the astronauts are taking off. I address you tonight, not as the president of the United States. It's just like spine chilling stuff. From mm-hmm, Michael Bay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I probably would go with disarming the bomb. That leads us to what age the best. Uh, Billy Bob. I, I think I was trying to think of uh, my favorite Billy Bob performances of all time. I just watched Friday Night Lights, the movie with oh, my man. son a couple days ago, which is now it, we might have to revive it on the rewatchables because it, <laughs> it's been kind of just lost over the course of history. That movie's really good. Yeah. Really, and he's really good. really good. And I yeah. think. I think it's either that or Armageddon for me for favorite Billy Bob, unless you want to go with uh, Monsters Ball, a movie that is that will not be on the rewatchable. Blood, so blood I hate in, to blood bring out. it to you. My favorite Billy Bob performance. One false move. Oh, yeah. Wait, I forgot about Blood in, Blood out. Yeah, yeah, One yeah. false move is incredible, Jason. That's, That's right. good. All right. But yeah, uh, Billy, Bill, the Billy Bob halftime speech in Friday Night Lights might, it's up there with Kurt Russell, it's up there with Al Pacino. It's weird that TV series blew it out of the water and, and now it's, it's kind of lost. It came out 16 years ago and people, people always gravitate to the TV series. It's annoying. What it's missing is it's missing a, a happy moment. You just are bludgeoned over the head over yeah. and over again with sad things. You get Booby in the car having his breakdown yeah. after the, the locker room and you have them losing at the one yard line. And then you find, I, I, if I remember correctly, at the very end, they're like, oh, they went on to win it the next year. And I remember sitting in the theater being like, just fucking make that movie. Yeah. Let, me watch, let me watch that one. I don't know what that was. Uh, that was the movie where I bought a crazy man of Garrett Headland stock, oh, which man. I was Buy able to sell a little of on Triple Frontier. <laughs> I was able to dump some of it, but 
I'm still holding on to a lot of it. Bill, you got to buy the dip, man. (laughs) (laughs) Billy Bob also has a great moment that isn't quite a rewatchable scene when he's explaining to them what the Armageddon is with this asteroid. And they're like, what do you mean? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, total, sir. It's it's what we total. call a global yeah. killer. Nothing would survive. Just the way he pulls that off with a straight face. What kind of damage are we? Damage? Total, sir. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind. Doesn't matter where it hits. Nothing would survive. Not even bacteria. Oh my God. Uh, more what age the best. The old guy who who says he wants to name the asteroid, I want to name her Dottie after my wife. She's a vicious, life-sucking bitch from which there's no escape. It's such a random, off-the-top rope, bizarre moment, but it makes me laugh. It's really funny. It's really funny for some reason. The person that finds her gets the namer, right? Yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. I want to name her Dottie after my wife. She's a vicious, life-sucking bitch from which there is no escape. That's, that's sweet, Carl. It's another one of those, is this movie going to be somehow about this guy for a while? Yeah, I yeah. Right. <laughs> he's, just, he's just in for what, like one and a half scenes. The uh, Another what's age the best. The, oh, the patriotism. This is one of the most patriotic movies I think ever made. I've and never, the, I never felt more American than I do watching. Oh but Michael Bay is not from America, right? No, he's, no, he's from LA. He's from LA, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's not Australian? No. He just he feels to, it. He just yeah. feels Australian. He just seems he went like to he's crossroads. Australian. And this is this is like a new bit because we had the same conversation in the Gladiator Pod where Bill asked, "He's not Australian about somebody in the in the movie that we're." Doing. I have a real kinship with Australia. The uh, another what's age the best? The BMW commercial that's just in the movie disguised as an actual scene with Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck. It's you talked about earlier, Chris, how beautifully that shot. It's just unlike any other two lovers hanging out on a hill. And then near the end, it pans back and there's a sunset and just the most beautiful <laughs> yeah. looking BMW. And it just lingers <laughs> on the car. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, There's never been a more obvious money grab during a movie than that. It's not like well, this it was movie also needed back the money. When you weren't supposed to. I mean, like now, like in the Avengers, like Robert Downey Jr. Pull, like every Avengers yes. movie features Robert Downey Jr. pulling up in an Audi. But back then that was still kind of considered like sort of tasteless. And... Yeah. My favorite part about it is that Michael Bay is like, you know, you know, we had the Aerosmith soundtrack and we did some product placement, but you know, it really helped the production to get those extra dollars as if he was like raising money, like right. hand over fist from like independent <laughs> financiers and doing GoFundMe. It's like Disney was paying for this. Couldn't you just ask for another fucking check? It's a, it's a great point, Chris, because this was really transgressive stuff in the nineties. Like we're coming off of, Kurt Cobain and, you know, musicians and people in culture like fervently not selling out and the protests against the World Trade Organization, like this anti-corporatist kind of movement. And Michael Bay is just like, yeah, fuck it. Put the BMW in the movie and like, let's get let's get a few extra and like, let's make it look great. This was kind of not a thing that was done at the time. Michael Bay is like, let's get an M6. Yeah, Michael Bay and Puff Daddy were both like, will you just give me the money? Give me the fucking money. I should mention in that scene, as Affleck eats animal crackers off Liv Tyler's stomach and they cuddle and (laughs) all that stuff, her dad's fucking song, her real-life dad, the song is playing in the background. That's just (laughs) weird. 
The psychosexual stuff in this movie is just out of control. It's like there's a double weird father daughter kind of uncomfortable stuff going on, and that that part is probably the most uncomfortable. Do you think? Do you think Bay was like, okay, Ben, uh, take the giraffe and and put it into the waistband of her underwear? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) put it just put it down there. Yep, try the belly button. (laughs) The uh, more wood sage, the best. General Kimsey. It's a little politically incorrect now, but when he says, I'm not so optimistic. We spend $250 billion a year on defense. Here we are. The fate of the planet is in the hands of a bunch of retards I wouldn't trust with a potato gun. Yeah. You need like that military villain in these movies who doesn't yeah. believe in the guys. He's a great one too. He's really, really good in that role. I uh another wood stage the best. I like the closing credits. I like having the I like when they just throw a wedding for no reason. Like, yeah, right? yeah. The movie could have just ended. It's like, ah, should we have a wedding? Yeah, fuck it. Let's put big <laughs> pictures of the guys. We'll but you know, that cake. was like that was Affleck. Affleck was yeah. like, we should do this. And he it was like shot on his eight millimeter camera in, in some of those in some of those shots. And I just had this vision of like Affleck going up to Bay and being like, we really need some icing on the cake. Like after Bay has finished this movie where he splits an asteroid with a nuclear bomb, yeah. right. Affleck is like, I have some ideas yeah. about the post-credit yeah. sequence. <laughs> Affleck's like, I'm not sure the ending landed. <laughs> Need this wedding. I my personal take is Affleck probably hadn't sealed the deal with Liv Tyler in real life and was just trying to come up with one more scene that gave himself a chance. Where it's like, what if we had a wedding? He's like, yeah, but one more run. Well, you mentioned the psychosexual stuff between her and 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 Harry and her father. Weirdly, that was like Liv Tyler's brand who like broke through in Aerosmith uh, videos famously front a band fronted by her father in which she's like clearly an object of sexual desire like riding tractors across fields and kidnapping farm boys and then like riding stripper poles like that happened in Aerosmith videos I I can't explain the late 90s Natalie Portman the beautiful girls all of Liv Tyler's everything uh the the Anna Kornikova countdown clock on the internet People being excited for the Olsen twins to turn 18. Is it we there was a reason we thought Y2K was gonna end the world. Yeah, maybe yeah. we should have gotten hit by an asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> it should have happened. Uh what's age the best? Ben Affleck's commentary track, now legendary. Oh, yeah. I Unreal. think when we talk about the great commentary tracks of all time, this is the first one people go to. Most famously, he goes on this whole rant about. One whole week. Now you guys know how to fly into space. I need my guys. Why do you need your guys? They're the best. Everyone's the best. Why are they the best? Oh, they just are. And Michael Bay gets mad and tells him to shut up yes. <laughs> as they're doing it. Uh, this this commentary, I haven't heard it for a while, but it's it's really, really bonkers. It's great. Yeah, because it's like the whole thing with Affleck is he's like, no one was ever able to explain why it wouldn't be easier to teach astronauts how to drill yeah. than it would be to teach drillers how to go into space. And it turns out it doesn't really matter either way because when you yeah. get to space, it's basically a really dark version of being in the desert. But yeah. still. <laughs> Shay, you love nothing more when somebody has to get a group of guys together and they're mm-hmm. the best, but there's yeah. no way of really knowing how these guys are the best. It's just assumed. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's a number. There's a number one guy on the planet. And we're like, okay, we don't, I don't need a resume. I don't need verification. I, need I just need one person to say this is the best person. And I I have to have that one person on this job. 
We just spent the last six weeks arguing about Jordan or LeBron. In the Armageddon, they figure out in two minutes who's the best oil driller. Yeah, no yeah they're the best. About Good. It. All right, done. Any other candidates? No. Any other, uh, what's age the best for you guys? I have, I have uh, two little ones. What's age the best for me? Will Patton reacting to things. I really, yeah. I really, really love when he goes to see his ex-wife and then the kid shows up and you see Will reacting to seeing the kid and like, like he hasn't seen this kid for a long time. That's really touching. And then when he lands at the end of the movie and then the wife and the kid show up and he does the exact same thing. Really, really touching. Uh, my second one, I think Liv Tyler has, has aged the best. Every time I watch a movie and she pops up in it, I'm reminded like she has been in five of my favorite movies of all time. Empire Records, That Thing You Do, Armageddon, The Strangers, and then the Lord of the Rings series. Like this is a, a standout career for someone who has somehow existed just below like the surface of top level superstardom. Big, yeah, big fan really of Liv point. Tyler. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go with uh, Michael Bay's dedication to uh, using only Los Angeles locations for every location that is in this movie, <laughs> whether it is New York, New Orleans, wherever it's actually just downtown LA. It's just, I go, he does not go past the South Bay. No, that's just- it. <laughs> <laughs> I my I have one more what's age the what's age the best for me is Shay's love for Will Patton. I think <laughs> I love him. When Will Patton he's sitting at home having a glass of wine at night and his wife's like, Hey Will, who do you think loved your work the most? He's like, There's this guy, Shay Serrano, <laughs> lives in Texas. I walk out of here right now. I have two copies of the postman on DVD. That's how much I love Will Patton <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's a great villain in in, in the postman. <laughs> Bill, I have one more. What's age the best? Yeah. Um, You know, this movie is like relatively complicated in terms of its technology and its science. And like, it's hard sometimes to get your bearings and understand exactly, you know, the dynamics of like how much, how much time do they have? What, you know, like when do they get off of this, this space station to get to the asteroid? How hard is it? So what Michael Bay figured out was that you could just have in every single scene, a guy going, we have no time. We got to yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> exposition, right. exposition aged Who needs incredibly. a clock? <laughs> it's like, it is so effective to just be, have somebody be like, go, go, go. We got to go. <laughs> I wish I had somebody just running into my room every 10 minutes saying that. I would get so much more <laughs> stuff done. <laughs> Maybe we should have Craig do it during the podcast. Yeah. We'll just be zooming through it. <laughs> What's age the worst? This movie's on the Criterion Collection. Even even none of us can defend that. I always thought that was I disagree. I think it's cinema. a, a fantastic movie. What's going pick. on? This is an important movie. This <laughs> is an important movie. Come on. More what's age the best or what's age the worst. This movie's 150 minutes long. Hell yeah. It should be yeah, 180 minutes long. It's a little fat. This is one of the most perfect examples of a movie where I'm like, I'm an idiot. But I could have I could have cut twenty minutes from this movie pretty easily. Yeah, I think I think one thirty would have probably been a good number. Yeah, look crazy. Uh, another what's age the worst? A little little sobering and a bummer. But there's a wide shot of New York after that first asteroid attack, and it shows one of the twin one of the two twin towers, like with the whole top of it burning. It's fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, in the commentary track. Ben Affleck says he asked Michael Bay why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers. And he told me to shut the fuck up. So that was the end of that talk. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's age the worst just because uh, he lifted the hood up. I, I have a theory about this. 
I think being an astronaut is is like all math based. So if you're really good at math, you could do that. But drilling rock is like all feel based. It's instinct. You have to have done this for a certain amount of time. This is just what I'm going to throw throw out there. I think you. Can I like do it. This you're not wrong. We we've mentioned all the other what's age the worst except uh, how do we feel about Bruce Willis's hair in this movie? Thumbs up. I support Thumbs it. Thumbs I, up. Support I support it. Thumbs I support up. It. I support it. You don't think it looks too much like a rug? No, it, it, I mean it obviously is, but it's not like he has like uh, Harry Hamlin's hair on L.A. Law or something. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty it's pretty realistic as rugs yeah. go. I don't think it looks enough like a rug to be honest. You would have gone. You would have gone deeper. I would have gone rugger. But more speaking rug, of physical transformations, one of my what's aged the worst has got to be Ben Affleck having Tom Cruise's teeth. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> what? I was going to do this in half-assed internet research. You want to do this now? It? Yeah. Can you explain this, please? Yeah. So, <laughs> so in the DVD commentary, Michael Bay says we paid for a set of twenty thousand pearly white teeth. Ben's going to hate that story, but there's this whole backstory of he likes close-up shots of heroes with big chins and big teeth. And, and he, he said how Ben Affleck had these little baby teeth and they paid $20,000 to give him this big set of awesome teeth that I think he's had now for the rest of his career. But if you go Goodwill hunting, he's got different teeth. So there you go. So that was a Michael Bay, Michael Bay special just wasn't happy with, uh, with Affleck's teeth. Um, I have no other what's age the worst, except I'm, I am personally not a fan of Affleck and Liv Tyler. Those love scenes. I think, uh, They're great. I think they are great. They're phenomenal. Some of Rockhound's sexual deviancy is, yeah, that's uh, not, is not necessary for the, for the plot of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that doesn't make, doesn't make the trip to 2020. Yeah. Uh, unscathed. <laughs> I, I would add, I would add that like, uh, it's I've, honestly, it is that it's just like Rockhounds. I thought they were over eighteen. Yeah, material, it's like multiple which, times. Wait, how old <laughs> are you? Multiple like, times. What's going on? <laughs> so really, just that, and the, and then again, like it is mind-boggling that Bay takes an extended shot at Roland Emmerich's Godzilla at the yeah. beginning of this. Like, why? Why are we doing this in the in your movie? <laughs> That's a what stage the best for me. Casting what ifs. I can only find two. Schwarzenegger was considered for Harry Stamper. Thank God that didn't happen. Thank, yeah, God. thank God. Thank God. Two people turned down Grace before Liv Tyler. Milia, Mila Jovovich. Ooh, interesting. She's good. And Robin Wright, who seems too old. I don't even know Robin Wright and Ben Affleck. I've never, weird. I've never seen Robin Wright be bad in a thing. So sure, she would have been it. incredible. But can you imagine her getting this script and be like, "Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what the fuck is this?" Sean Penn picks it up. He's like, sets it on fire with a cigarette lighter. <laughs> Best that guy, aka the Joey Pants award. Need a ruling is. William Fickner, a, a, a that guy, or is he William Fickner? I, know, that, I think we all know he's William Fickner, but he's I think a he's guy. a that guy. No, he's a that guy. He's, he's like that the guy. A one that guy. He's like because yeah, I think yeah. he's the winner for this. As close as you can get to not to to like aging. I mean, like talenting your way out of the that guy category. He's right there. Oh, hold on, there was one other that guy that I had. I just gotta find his. Mark name. Curry is a good that guy. Chris is William Fickner. Is he Van Zant from Heat, or is he the guy from Armageddon to you? If you had to pick one, if you're telling your friends who he was, who would you pick? I, you know that I can't answer any question that involves heat without the answer <laughs> being heat. So it's <laughs> gotta be, if it's on the street that I can get robbed, 
I'm yeah. gonna kill this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Billy Bob should have called uh, Fickner at one point and said, I'm talking to an empty telephone because there's a dead man on the other <laughs> line? <laughs> the Vincent Hanna, give me all you got award for overacting. So many choices here. I think Carl, the asteroid spotter who insults his wife, there's yeah. his short arc. So yeah. He's got it dialed up. He I was think going he's for the. It. He, he also does that weird thing where he's like, get my book, get my book, yeah. get my book. <laughs> Excuse me, am I wearing a sign that says, Carl Slave? Go get my goddamn phone book! Get the book! Get the book! Get the book! He really went for it. <laughs> the uh, Brandy Booth Award for Best Performance oh, wait, by I have, a pet. I have one other Vincent Hanna nominee. Okay. The the other pilot, not Willie. Yeah, that's, and not, yes. But the guy who's like, Men, this is what we train for. Suck it up. Suck it up. <laughs> Colonel Davis, we'll 100%. <laughs> the Brandy Booth Award, best performance by a pet. Eddie Griffin's dog, Little Richard. Little Richard. was the name of the dog and has a good, attacks some dinosaurs and then it's just dangling over an asteroid crevice. Uh, I'm going to give it six chewies out of 10. The, uh, <laughs> the Dion Waiters Award. Is Michael Clark Duncan eligible? Uh, I I think so. He's in a lot of the movie. I don't I, think I, so. I, I I'm gonna say no. Yeah, I vote no. Which leaves us with Carl the asteroid spotter and Eddie Griffin. Oh, it's got to go to Eddie then. Well, so let me ask you guys a question then, because this yeah. the Michael Clark Duncan question has a has a ripple effect. I we haven't talked about him yet, but I think. Owen Wilson is amazing in this movie. He's really good. He's really and good. And I agree. Is that a, is that too much for Dion? Because he goes out pretty early. I think it's just enough for Dion because, like, I think think, it, I again, think it's good for Dion. I think he's good for Dion. Think about so there's in the great scene where the FBI is rounding up all the crew. We see Owen Wilson in a full gallop coming out of the sunset <laughs> on a horse. Yes, in the old west as like. Huey helicopters are chasing him across the plains. Dion Waiters Award, bingo, nailed it. That's fair. I think he has the like single funniest line in the movie. Will Patton to me is the funniest, like consistently. We're gonna, you're gonna say the exact line. I know it. Yeah, the yeah, single yeah. funniest one when they're when they're giving him the breakdown of the place of like the environment, and he's like, "Oh, the, the scariest place imaginable." Like you could have just said that. Like, been, like he's he's great. He should be the winner here. What's it gonna be like up there? 200 degrees in sunlight, minus 200 in the shade, canyons of razor-sharp rock, unpredictable gravitational conditions, unexpected eruptions, things like that. Okay, so the scariest environment imaginable. Thanks. That's all you got to say, scariest environment imaginable. Okay, so you drill. That's all you got to say, scariest environment imaginable. (laughs) Recasting couch. Shay, you're not going to like this. I'm not. I'm already mad. You're going to be mad. You'll be legit mad. I'm bumping Liv Tyler. Get all right. I gotta go. This is stupid. This is this is always. I've never liked you. I want to leave right now. Take me off, Craig. Replacing, Craig, take me out of here. Replacing her with uh, Angelina Jolie. No way. No. Vote down. No. Let's let's You're walk down it through. Three to one. You're down. This is you. the year it starts happening for An- Angelina Jolie. This is when Gia came out. She's the right age. She. 
Absolutely takes not. it to another level with with the Ben Affleck. I think Ben Affleck, you're going to get the sense like he's going to do anything for this person. Not sure I felt that with Liv Tyler. She can't. What, she, you mean and, you mean and, in front of the in front of the camera or behind the camera? Both. Angelina <laughs> Angelina Jolie, can, can, she can't do that sort of wide eyed optimism that Liv Tyler can do. There's only one one name you could have said right here that make would make this like even a little bit okay. Anne Hathaway is the only name you could say right there. I, I agree. I agree because I think it's not bad. I, I think if it's I think if it's Angelina Jolie, you're like, why is Harry freaking out that she's that his daughter is dating one of the dudes on the rig? Like, hasn't this happened a million times? Yeah. If Fair. it's An- if it's Angelina Jolie, you're like, why is she not in the shuttle? She should be on. She should be part of the team. That's the kind this of is energy. Young Angelina Jolie, though. Here's the thing. That's this the kind is, of energy she has, though. This is why I'm flagging it. Her and Affleck definitely start hooking up on set during this movie, and it becomes a whole thing. We get love triangles. We get we get a whole bunch of shit going on. Who, who was he dating back then? Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I don't, it could have been. Know. It could have been. Ben's we get a blood. Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelina Affleck love triangle coming no, out of the Armageddon you. set. Sign no, me up. You. No, thank. It could have been. It could have been Ben's blood in the vial around yeah. her neck. <laughs> Everything we know about. Celeb culture could have shifted in that moment. Or she ends up with Billy Bob. So maybe it's an Affleck, Billy Bob, Angelina love triangle. I mean, think all the fun things that could have happened from this. Uh, we mentioned some of the half-assed internet research. I have I have a quick recasting couch that I just want to say, but it, it is also a probably unanswerable question, but I just want to get a quick vote. Okay. Is this movie better if Owen Wilson has Ben Affleck's part? No. Oh, wow. uh, no. No, 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 no. Ben Affleck is the all-American son, and Owen Wilson is not. So that. Owen Wilson being the Marlboro man and riding across a plains in Texas no. on a horse is not American enough for we, you. We saw he couldn't do this when he went, what was that, behind enemy lines? And you're like, yeah. nah, no thanks. All right. Ben All Affleck right. in that movie is like top level. Half-assed internet research. We covered some of this. The uh, infeasibility of the H-bomb approach to blow up the asteroid. <laughs> Uh, was published as a paper by four postgraduate physics students in 2011. That's so stupid. Uh, apparently this can't happen. Again, so Billy Bob stupid. told me how if you have a firecracker in your hand and you close your fingers around the firecracker, it does more damage. So who am I going to believe? Billy Bob or these grad students? No, that was a scientist. That's all you need. I don't understand the urge to be like, that science fiction movie that you watched about the ad, it wasn't real. No shit. It's not, no shit. No well, shit. so one of their cases was that um, the biggest H-bomb ever detonated on Earth was the Soviet Union's Big Ivan. And for Great this name. to w- have worked in Armageddon, the H-bomb they used would have had to have been a billion times stronger. So they, their argument was like probably not possible. So who knows? Um, this is also true. NASA shows this film during their management training program. New managers are given the task of trying to spot as many errors as possible. <laughs> At least 168 have been found. So that happened. Uh, the shuttle launches were filmed for real. That was actual shuttle footage. So that's cool. Bay is such a beast, man. He's just like, I yeah, know. I'm going to go film a shuttle launch. <laughs> and then this is the last laser disc ever released on the Criterion Collection. Holy they shit. They made 384. This is number 384. They knew they were never going to top it. That's why. And then yeah. and then Bob Criterion, the founder of the Criterion Collection, was like, I'm <laughs> fucking out. <laughs> this, is, this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Fuck this. We're ending the collection. Uh, Apex Mountain. 
This is tough. I'm going to make the case for Bruce Willis. Whoa. That's a mistake, yeah. but, but go ahead. That's a mistake. I'm going to yeah, make the case. I don't believe it, but I'm going to make the case. Okay. He's coming off all the diehards. Mm-hmm. He's, he's married to Demi Moore. They're having kids. He has the juice to get Disney to basically absorb the entire cost of his failed movie in return for Armageddon and two more movies, which then becomes Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. I'm just saying he has about as much power as an actor could have at this point in life. I still think Die Hard is his apex mountain because mm-hmm. after that he can do whatever he wants. But this is almost like a, a apex 2.0 for him. It's like a second apex. Would I like be that. my case. Fair. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I, I I like. I, we should introduce the idea of the second apex. The second. <laughs> well, Jordan, I don't think you understand. <laughs> Jordan apex. had four. I know. Michael Jordan had four apexes, right? So we can actors can Fuck have it. multiple apexes. Like, let's put let's put a second halftime in the in the basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Michael Bay. Bapex. The, the Bapex. Yeah. Is this the yeah. Bapex? The, the Bapex. Absolutely. He makes this movie and it and and they're like, This is the you're, you're Spielberg. What do you want to do next? And he's like, give me all of the money, give me Affleck. We're going to Hawaii. We're making Pearl Harbor. And people were like, pass. <laughs> people were like, I'm not, I'm not messing with this. But he cashed in. Like this Apex yeah. Mountain to me is when you accumulate all of the chips before yeah. you cash in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. Yeah. Should we change the name to Baypex Mountain? <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely more confusing. <laughs> it is absolutely Baypex Mountain. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan, I think it comes the next year with Green Mile. Green Mile. Yeah, yeah, Green but Mile. But it's this sets it up. Owen Wilson, no, no. Will Patton, no, no. It's I, uh, for Will Patton. It's either Remember the Titans or or The Postman. Yeah. Yeah, but the postman wasn't a good movie, Shay. I hate, I I hate to break it to you. I, I know you liked it. I know you liked it. The postman is Tom Pet Tom Petty Apex Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> uh Liv Tyler? No. 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 Lord of the Rings. What's her Apex her? Mountain then? Probably Lord of yeah, the Rings. The Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh. I, I think I think that Billy Bob actually I think there's a case for Billy Bob this being his Apex Mountain. For for this fact alone. Give it to I me. I think he does I think he does more to elevate this movie than any other film he is in. There's, you know, remember the Titans? He's incredible. And I think he doesn't get maybe the credit for being like really an, a top level acting talent. But I think this movie, his war is like off the charts. If there's somebody else in that role, the, the gravitas, the authority, all of that stuff goes away and then it just becomes kind of silly. He just controls the screen and I think he's got a case. I do think it's Michael Bay. It's the Baypex. But I think I, I I would say that Billy Bob has a good case for this being his Apex. He's really neck and neck with Ed Harris and Apollo 13 as my favorite NASA director. Uh, my favorite mission control guy. Yeah. Who's that's your good, least that's favorite? That's a good call. My least favorite? That's a great question, Bill. <laughs> All right, next rewatch, because you can answer. I'm going Monsters Ball for uh, Billy Bob. That's fair. Because... <laughs> You won an Oscar out of that one. I mean, I, he didn't, but the movie did. She did. Yeah, that's fine. Pulls it off for Halle Berry. I think, did he direct that one? He did not. He did isn't not. That, isn't that Sean Puffy Combs' Apex Mountain? He produced it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Billy Bob's weird. It's it's a weird career where you look at his IMDb and there's a lot more misses than I'm prepared for, but I think everybody likes him. 
Everybody loves him. That's why he gets so many misses. Yeah. I'll, 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 we can watch Astronaut Farmer if you want right now. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Uh, how about 90s disaster movies, Chris? Was this Apex Mountain? It's this or Titanic. Uh, I, I, I think I, you have to bow down to Titanic in this yeah. case. Yeah. That's okay. fair. Um, any other Apex Mountains? Keith Aerosmith? David. Keith David? Se- second Apex for Aerosmith? It's not, it cannot be Aerosmith's. <laughs> it's not Aerosmith. Keith David's Apex Mountain is him continuing to cash uh, voice actor checks. He's an incredible as he will voice. for the rest of his life. Incredible. Um, so I don't Every- think it's I, I don't think it's Keith David. It's the Bapex. We 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 know it's, it. It is the Bapex. Bapex. It's the Bapex. <laughs> Before we get to the rest of this pod, I have to tell you guys a quick story. Please do. I started dating my wife in the summer of '98. She's from upstate New York, and we went to a wedding in spring of 1999, which was the same day as the LJ four point shot, which I watched Oof. in a bar. At uh, next to the reception, but during the reception, they came out to the Armageddon. I don't want to close my eyes. Theme song was that was their was their first dance song, and I was like, "What the hell?" And then LJ hit his four point shot like ten minutes later. I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> what a time to be <laughs> Has alive! My soul left my body. Is this Y2K yet? They unironically came out to the Armageddon song as their first dance, and I didn't know what the fuck to do, and I had to like walk away because I was gonna start laughing. Uh, all right, next category is uh, picking nets. It's one of the rare times in the rewatchables history where it's it's almost like we have to punt on the category. I I uh, I did want to I did want to say Will Patton's wife in this movie can fuck off. She's out on him. We don't know what he did. Yeah, yeah we don't know just, about you what can't he did. Just disregard. We don't know what it is. How is it? He first of all, it's obviously what he did. He fucking gambled away his kid's college fund yeah. at the yeah. Yeah. table at Caesars. Yeah. Second of all. Yeah, it's that, like, that, how is this a nitpick? No. <laughs> I get it. I get the setup, but then it's like, oh, wait, I didn't realize you were on this cool crew. All right, you're back in. Hey, honey, that's your dad. Like, it, mm. it was just like, come on. If just because now enough, he's got a job, you're back in on the guy? Fuck that. If saving the world isn't enough to get you back in the good graces, I don't know what I don't know what else he could do, Bill. Well, because their son can go to college now. Yeah, how about that? He's <laughs> willing to claim him. <laughs> Bill, how bad do you want the the second Armageddon two to be just the first fight Will Patton and his ex have? Like after that, like when he gambles it away again. You know, there's like five days of like pretty good honeymoon feeling, and then it's like the first time she's like, "So are you gonna watch the kid, or are you just gonna be a hero for the rest of your life?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was bullshit, and I didn't like her performance. Uh, <laughs> That's terrible. Oh she's just out, That's terrible. She's completely out on the guy. Won't even let him make eye contact with the kid, and then she's back in in five seconds. It's like, at some point, hold your ground. Hmm. Can't just be like a 180 because he's <laughs> I, got a new job. He saved the world, so maybe she was saved the world. About it. Yeah, yeah. Any other egregious nitpicks that we have to mention, or do we just throw this yeah, category out the that's window? That's the one you had out of this. That's that it. was the only one I had. It is, made is me mad. Will makes Patton's me mad every wife? time. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm a loyal guy. I'm sorry. The president has no name. He is just the president. The president. We never, we never <laughs> find out what the name of the president of the United States. He makes a speech and is in multiple seeds, and we have no idea what his name is. That's a nitpick for me. 
Okay. Everything that could have been a good recasting couch, actually, if they had just gotten some big time actor just for that one part. Because it's a nothing part, right? I, I advocate personally, I think this should have been a rule, is that if you're going to do a bunch of movies that are, are going to involve a fictional president, you cast one actor as that president for the eight years that they could have been president. So Bill, oh, Bill, I Bill like Pullman it. should be like president it. for the entire 90s. It should it. be Bill Pullman in every movie. I think it's a gr- that is a great idea. That's he definitely idea. got Chris, reelected after Independence ones? Day. Thanks, guys. I also want to say that uh, there's no sound in space, and that this movie <laughs> 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 this oh, movie breaks that rule. <laughs> I also want to say that um, they spend like 15 minutes being like we're about to lose radio contact with these guys and then it's blackout we're not going to be able to talk to them at all and then one dude at nasa is like i'm gonna try and bounce the signal off of like a russian got some magic happening over here <laughs> and that somehow that little fix that they do allows bruce willis to have crystal clear facetime yes. zoom quality conversations <laughs> with Liv tyler at the end of this movie where it's like we couldn't get like a single piece of fucking information from you guys we thought you might have blown up a nuke on us but we've got like the one-to-one Liv tyler hd streaming now uplink yeah so those are my my biggest two ones there's also affleck being able to to find the guys again when his plane goes down way before the other one. I mean, you could argue he's 15,000 miles away from them. Oh yeah. He's just, he's just driving in a direction. Like he's like, where are you going, dude? (laughs) They make it seem like he landed in, I don't know, Anaheim and they landed in LA and it's just like a little 50 minute ride. He'll be there in time. (laughs) Dip down the four Oh five. Yeah. Just dial that thing up to about 70. You'll be there in about 45 minutes, Ben. Uh, I have special recognition for the moment towards the end of the film when the asteroid starts getting hit by asteroids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of my big things is, uh, (laughs) you know, we just got done talking about this on Crimson Tide where, like, the last hour of Crimson Tide is in real time, right? Yeah. Yeah. In this movie, they will just hit the brakes on time when they want to. Like, when when so it's obviously urgent. An asteroid is literally heading for the planet. Like, time is of the essence. They're in the South China Sea when it starts, I think. Then they go to NASA, I guess in Houston. But the guys have, like, split to all corners of the Earth. They get them all back. And after, like, 12 days of hard training, they're like, let them go out. I, I have to say, I just would have been, like, a little bit more, like... We literally have a clock. This isn't an imaginary (laughs) deadline. This isn't anything like that. And then when they get up there, it's strange. We never see them eat while they're up there. Like they they, they don't do any of like the normal, like when do they go to the bathroom? Like they're crapping the suit a hundred. Like if they if they crashed, if Ben Affleck and Michael Clark Duncan's plane crashed, like I don't understand. Like when did they eat between then and driving across the moon? Yeah, asking too many know. questions right now. Sorry, I'm just nitpicking. Just go with it. Just Look, go with it. All that's fine, but none of it's as bad as Will Patton's wife <laughs> taking it back in five seconds. Oh, God. Uh, best quote we mentioned most of them, unless anybody has one that really jumps out. I have one. Okay. From my guy, Will, who is just, I love, a, a big Will fan. Uh, I like that he very, very seriously responds to Steve Buscemi's character losing his mind. With the line. You lost your mind? He's got space dementia. 
Which is just, yeah. I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> and he just throws it out there. And everybody is like, oh, cool. He has space dementia. Like, we know what that is. You, you knew it immediately. Great moment for my guy, Will, right there. I love you, Will. I love your love for Will Patton. <laughs> no, that's, that's Figner. That's Figner. That's the other Will. Oh, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Please, God, no. Um, it's already three hour. It's already three episodes in because it's two and a half hours. I would they, definitely they, watch a 10-episode Netflix show about the day after this and Will Patton's relationship with his mm-hmm. wife and his son. <laughs> yeah, where he has to move out again. And the, and the first time he's like, uh, so, like, I, you know, what do you think about maybe maybe a quick trip to Vegas? And she's yeah. just like, you've never changed. <laughs> I'm a little online gambling. So probably unanswerable questions. Affleck can never break up with Liv Tyler, right? Never. After this hairy thing. That's he's never. just, That's it. He, if they end up growing apart, he's just yes. got to ride it out for it's the rest like, of it. It's like, it's the Daniel LaRusso corollary. The fact that Allie broke up with him after Karate Kid 1 ruins the franchise. They can never break up. Sure. Never. never. Agree. Uh, Rockhound. What are his next five days like once they get back and those guys are heroes? What kind of, is, how would you compare it to Dennis Rodman in the last two years of The Last oh. Dance? <laughs> All I know is he's gonna, a lot of illegal shit is happening during that stretch. He's probably dead within a year, right? Oh, Easily. I think he's dead in six months. Easily. I mean, like, yeah. first of all, I mean, there's no guarantee he's going to get the cash for the loan shark at, what was it, 60% interest? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like then a he's definitely got loan. a bunch of pending sundry cases waiting for him in various states when his his face gets flashed on the news. And I think Michael Clark Duncan's character has probably a year to get into the uh, Lincoln bedroom. If that doesn't happen during the Clinton presidency, it's not happening during the George W. Bush presidency. Yeah. It probably doesn't yeah. happen. So time sensitivity there. So here's a question. What are Harry Stamper's next 20 years looking like as an American hero and an icon? Like, do we, does he end up on a dollar bill? Absolutely. Is there a statue? Does he get a holiday? Like, how, Jason, how does it shape out for him next five years? Harry Stamper, yes, 100%. They, first of all, they call his oil rig the Harry Stamper Memorial Oil Rig, and they raise a statue to him. And I think people Where's the start, statue? It's on top of the oil rig. Okay. It's on top of the oil rig. <laughs> Got it. It's like an animatronic statue, and his arm is it's just- right. Pumping the Going oil like out. <laughs> no, it's pumping a shotgun and flames come out the top. You don't think he gets a holiday? He absolutely gets a holiday. I mean, he guys, saves the world. You guys are missing this, man. Harry what Stamper has about 17 good years. And then the takes come. Oh. And, <laughs> and then it's like, sorry if I don't want to worship a guy who is essentially bringing about the end of the world anyway with fossil fuel drilling. That's a good call. Oh, yeah. that's excellent. And it's that's like, a good call. Y- you won't catch me praying at the altar of this, you know, guy who defiled Mother Nature. Right. I wish the <laughs> asteroid had hit us. That would be nature healing. Right. No. Notice the hagiography never mentions dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. My name is Willow Jones, and I was on the SS tree when Harry S. Stamper hit me in the head with a golf ball and <laughs> fractured my skull. Right. <laughs> Harry Stamper, the darker side, yeah. when he was shooting yeah. a rifle at Ben Affleck for an hour <laughs> as bullets were scattering everywhere. Yeah, you're right. There's a, I think initially there's a statue and talk of a holiday and then the backlash comes yes. in the form of like a very long New York Times Magazine feature, investigative. 
about some of Harry's behavior on the oil rig. That's fair. Uh, Shay, this one's for you. Give it to me. It's a two-part question. All right. First part is, why didn't they ever ask Michael Bay to direct a Fast and Furious movie? And the second part is, would that have made the world explode? Michael Bay Michael Bay can do a lot of things, but he can't quite gr- get a grip on the Fast and the Furious franchise. I, he, you need Justin Lin in that role. He's got to be like the central point for that okay. universe. Michael Bay is a little too bombastic. You don't think Vin Diesel would have turned on him immediately? We'd have gotten some good stories? Immediately. At, but halfway through the first movie, he would have been gone. Did Michael Bay ever work with The Rock? Yeah, Pain and Gain. Yeah, Pain and Gain. Pain oh, and Pain and Gain. gain. That's pain right. Gain. He was yeah. The Rock was good in Pain and Gain. Yeah. It's an incredible, that's the best performance The Rock has ever given. Yeah, I like that one. Any other unanswerable questions? I, I This one is answerable, but it's going to take a lot of work. At the very beginning of the movie, when they talk about the extinction of the dinosaurs, and then they cut to 65 million years later, that's got to be the longest like cutting forward or cutting backward that has ever happened in a movie. That's got to be that it. Every movie should open with the extinction of the dinosaurs. It would have been awesome if in, the only thing that could have improved heat is if the title card was like 65 million years ago, dinosaurs met the asteroid. Now De Niro meets Pacino. Pacino's like, these dinosaurs are good. (laughs) Okay, motherfuckers. Tyrannosaurus Rex. (laughs) Okay, motherfuckers. Uh, uh, So I'm surprised how easily I was able to answer our final question. Who won the movie? To me, it's like Billy Bob Thornton in a runaway. I love it. It's Billy Bob. We've had a lot of like the major. (laughs) We've had a bunch of a run of of rewatchables where like it's a very obvious who won the movie or it's one of the top two people in the movie. This is the first one where it's like, this movie is not as good as it could be without, without the, like the fourth guy, without the third guy. Will Patton. That's my pick. Will Patton won the movie. That's just a Homer pick. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. embarrassing. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're in the pocket of big postman. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when you defend the 99 Spurs title as a legitimate title. You it's can go straight kind to of hell. Homer thing. Straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, who do you have for who won the movie? Yeah, it's Billy Bob. Billy Bob is just incredible in this role. Unbelievable stuff. Just ma- a magnetic figure. I am 100% surprised by the like Billy Bob takes on this podcast right now. I was not expecting that. I don't know how y'all three synced up on that one thing, but <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, the problem is he was in Blood In, Blood Out, and you can only see him through that prism. It's hard for you to accept <laughs> yeah. him as he's other li- He's lightning. He's lightning yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime he's in anything else, you're just kind of half confused. Uh do if you had to say, is this a Michael Bay movie, a Bruce Willis movie, a Ben Affleck movie, or whatever? What would you What would you say? It's a Michael, Michael Bay Michael movie, Bay, right? Yeah. Dude, Michael yeah. Bay. Yeah. Every Bay, every Michael Bay movie is a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, and yet none of us had him for winning the movie. No. Well, I, I think he's his own worst enemy. You know what I mean? Like he does yeah. a lot of things that are great, but he he really can spin out. You know, as we saw with the Transformers movies and. I think, you know, like you guys mentioned before, like Totoro's in the Transformers movies. I think Tucci is, Stanley Tucci's in yes. them. But like, it's having having this baseline of, of guys like Buscemi and and Billy Bob and and Will Patton and, and William Fichter to kind of keep this, this movie attached. One of the reasons Michael Bay doesn't win this movie is because his attitude after the movie came out was like, I, I didn't even like this movie. I don't, I, forget <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, he should have. Like, I was yeah. thinking a comedy. He should have stood like, by it. He should have stood by yeah, it. Yeah, he really didn't. He kind of. 
If you're listening, Michael Bay, you made a fucking masterpiece. You should own it. Just own it. Yeah. Enjoy enjoy your fine work, Michael Bay. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, that's it for Armageddon. We dedicated this one to our friend Louis K, who's been texting me for two years asking for the Armageddon rewatchables (laughs) and getting furious every time we did some goofy one like Proof of Life. So there you go. Uh, Chris. Shay, Jason, a pleasure as always. We'll see you in the next Rewatchables. Woo! You're canceled, Harry Stamper. <laughs> <laughs>